This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Spader, the Ace of Spader, and Ryan, you know, you, you hit me up, you said I got a nice guest for us, and you said it was Darren Ravel. Congratulations. I mean, Darren's a busy guy. How'd you land him? Well, Darren's been um, helping me out a little bit, talking me off the ledge with dealing with some of the Twitter trolls and uh, some of the appearances I've been asked to do, and um, been mentoring me a little bit and helping me out a ton, so I figured I'd ask him, and he was kind enough to offer us some of his time. Yeah, and then the whole Twitter troll thing, I think you've done a wonderful job with that, Darren, because I don't know if anybody gets more in sports than you. Maybe Skip Bayless? Prob- I'm not prob- sure. Probably not. Probably not. But I think it, it might go back to my childhood. I'm uh, For some reason, I just have a level head, and maybe I'm just a sure. I'm, I'm sure of what, you know, when I'm doing something that, that, it's, uh, that it's right for me, and I don't care what other people say. So I think probably going in, I was – but every day I battle, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to leave because of it. Yeah, I must say that that's a hell of a, a good trait to have, to be able to put that behind you. And let's get into baseball here. Everybody loves Bobby Bonilla Day, right? So the guy gets paid over a million dollars once a year. This goes, you know, I was a little kid growing up, a Mets fan, and he really never was that great with the Mets, uh, or they, he wasn't on good teams, and he's still getting paid for it. It's kind of fun, isn't it? It is. Uh, I, I think Dennis Gilbert, the, the agent, will tell you that I'm the creator of Bobby Bonilla Day. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I was the first person to ever mention that he had this deal, but I was certainly there in 2011 when he started to get paid. Um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun thing. And a lot of people come out and say, well, you know, there are other deferred deals. There's one that's that would definitely be better, which is the Bruce Suter uh, deferred contract. And I don't, the, the Braves have been acquired so many times that I'm pretty sure he's not on the deferral that, that they originally set out on. Uh, and he would not talk to me about it. So I'm thinking that Benny is probably the only active player, at least 
with 8% interest. You know, Griffey's got his own thing, and he's at 4% interest. But at the time, um, you know, 8% was somewhere in between where the Mets wanted to be and where Bonilla wanted to be, and, you know, interest rates were a lot different at the time. Um, But, yes, Bobby Bonilla was not the success that they thought he would be when they brought him in in the early 90s. And then they mysteriously brought him back again, and he was also not the success. And people don't really harp on this, but he did not play in the 2000 season. They didn't want him because famously, you know, in during the playoffs he, in 99, he was, you know, in the dugout uh, in the clubhouse while a game was still going on playing cards. So he definitely unceremoniously left the Mets, and they still gave him this type of deal. Darren, so Benilla is, uh, he hasn't played since his age 38 season. He would be in his age 57 season. He's going to be paid through his age 72 season. You look at this and as an outsider, you, you almost are like, Benilla's a genius. Is, is this a stroke of genius? Did his agent just really look out for him? Or is it just really dumb luck in this situation? I mean, listen, uh, if you look at the stock, if he invested in the S&P, and I threw out the ridiculous Amazon thing where he would have been a billionaire but, <laughs> because that just gets people pissed off on Twitter. Uh, yes, I am self-aware that that's an idiotic thing to say, but, you know, hey, fire some people up. Um, I, You know, if you looked at the stock market and he put $5.9 million into S&P 500 stocks over the next 20 years, he'd be pretty close to $29.5 million. Like, it's not if, – if, if he made some safe investments and did get that $5.9 million from the 2000 season, it wouldn't have been bad. Now, obviously, with athletes and financial advisors and you know, safe investments, they're not really good at doing that. So, um, you know, Benia was into it right away. Um, Dennis Gilbert also represented Danny Tartable. Who had the who had the high who had the highest contract at the time when the Yankees signed him? It's the highest contract ever. Uh, it beat yeah, obviously from the Yankees it beat the Dave Winfield deal. And with Tartable, uh, when he got the deal, uh, George Dennis Gilbert, the agent, tried to do the same thing. George Steinbrenner was not interested in deferral, and neither was Tartable. So, you know, I mean, I I think uh, I think it it sounds better than it is. But it's probably better than it is against the background of bad decisions made by athletes. Now, just bringing up Benia, and not to change sports on you, but I was talking earlier about one of my favorite contracts, and that's uh, Michael Carter Williams, who I'm sure you're familiar. He just uh, his, I guess his stepfather advised him, and he dumped his rookie contract into a trust that he couldn't touch, and then lived off his endorsements. Uh, right. So, so Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski claims that he still has lived off his endorsements. Um, he probably, I mean, he, he, he might probably has a better career overwise from endorsements than Michael Carter Williams. But, um, you know, I, I would say that's one thing um, athletes do if they have say, you know, more than a million dollars a year, if they're bringing that in in endorsements. Um, I think it, it, locker room talk, you know, is has really been the, hey, you know, I bought into a casino, I bought into, a, you know, some dumb restaurant. That used to be, you know, and now I think driven by the Warriors, driven by investments in tech, 
Shaq was an early investor in Google and cashed out pretty big. Um, I think now it's sexy to talk about being into companies that are not necessarily at first blush cool. Uh, it's cool to cash out. Um, so it's cool for LeBron to cash out of Beats by Dre to the tune of $100 million. So I, I think uh, what is positive is that um, the the things that used to be cool to talk about, i.e. the restaurants and the casinos and things that turned into Ponzi schemes and failures, are not. And now people want to take equity, athletes want to hear about some of these stories and they're investing in consumer packaged goods and I have a bunch of in my mini food and beverage VC firm I have a bunch of athletes investing in they like to hear the calls they like to hear what's next I think I think there's a been a paradigm shift from that standpoint so shift back to baseball and what I would call probably your area expertise uh, I think it's fair to say that you're the face of action network um, Holden and I were talking handicapping baseball this year. From where I stand, I'm not touching any of these futures uh, as far as the National League East goes. I, I just think it's impossible. And then handicapping game to game, I, I just think it's going to be impossible. I, I don't think I will place a bet this year. Yeah, you know, it, it it is difficult. And, you know, I think some of the things that I've learned from since coming from ESPN over to the Action Network is, you know, you – you have to know what to stay away from. I think when the when the win totals came out, you know, and people are staring at numbers like 34 and 35, I mean, this is completely foreign, right? Like you're used to seeing, you know, 95, 98. And I also think, and this is the most intriguing thing for me, and it's hard to answer, but when you think about games without fans or fewer fans, who is going to suck? And who's going to be okay? Like, I think Bryce Harper is going to suck. And I think Mike Trout's going to be okay. Because I feel like Bryce needs that adrenaline. And I feel like Mike Trout's in his own head enough. I don't know. I think there's going to be, for the first time, we'll be able to, we'll be able to figure out. And I'm not saying athletes at the professional level aren't motivated. But there are clearly some players who are driven by crowd and people and getting amped up and then there are some that don't need that and i think that's going to be an interesting one too are you betting against bryce harper then i mean there there's probably there's probably a bet to be made there yeah i mean you 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 can go if you think he affects the phillies win totals enough you know then maybe you go there um and by the way he could if you know clearly he's he's the a star player and on a regular season you'd say nah if you think Bryce is going to have a horrible year honestly there's not real he doesn't there's not enough of a of a turn to actually bet against the Phillies but on a season like this there might be so it's interesting because I've actually been tasked with prognosticating win totals and it's extraordinarily excruciating right now. I'm, I'm hoping that really it's just uh, whatever my theory is works because that's all we have. And Ryan and I have discussed this too. So for me, I'm just going to go with the teams that have a lot of offense and as deep a bullpen as possible. And I'll run it out there and that's how I'm going to go with my totals. And hopefully it works. We're probably never going to have to do this again. 
So if you come up, like I don't even know how how active you are in sports betting, but what kind of what, what are you using to put down your baseball bets right now? What kind of logic are you using? The stuff with Bryce Harper, a lot of narrative street. How do you apply anything right now? Because we're all a little. Confused. I mean, you 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 have yeah you you have to look at at the players that are there now, right? Like who who could possibly. You can't be like who could be sick or like you know like what's going to happen. There? That's going to be the X factor. Like it's possible, and and I I think you should you should look at the the PGA Tour shift to how they're responding to to COVID. Even though that's inter, independent contractors, the shift today with how they shifted to the response was huge. When you're thinking about a season, right? Because the, they're the first kind of real test case of guys playing every week. And, you know, the past couple of weeks as five PGA tour players tested positive, it was, if you test positive once you're out for 10 days. Well, in baseball, that's a disaster. I mean, uh, uh, not, not against, you know, obviously life and death, but in, in, in baseball, that's a big thing. And then the PGA tour comes out today and says, we're now going with, uh, the CDC guidelines, which is if you're able to, after a positive, get two negatives in a row uh, in a period longer than 24 hours, then you can come back. And so, so some of this game and this head game that you're playing is if substantive players are out, how long would they be out for? So I think you're right with, you know, bet on what you know. And and don't don't be afraid, you know. Don't 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 be afraid to uh, say, "Hey, I'm 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 going to wait a little bit uh, to to make bets, whether it's individual games or whatever." I mean, you 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 can you can wait. You can you can wait in terms of how you feel. Like, I I, I don't think you could say right now, "I'm not going to bet on any on any on any games." I think you'll find out about teams pretty soon. And, and as someone who's into betting, um, I, I always have belief that patterns develop that you could then look at. Darren, uh, something that came up a lot during this whole owners and players back and forth and Manfred getting in the middle of it is the idea of revenue sharing. And what, what I've heard from a lot of players is that the owners want them to share the burden when things are going poorly, but never want to share the wealth yeah. when things are going well. Now, how much do you think that this is going to impact the 2021 um, C, uh, CBA? Well, c- clearly, clearly, um, I thought the most damaging part of all this was when the owners just decided to say, this is what we believe your pay cut is going to be. Like, that was damaging, right? And then Scherzer came out and said, we're not taking it. Clearly, the right thing to do, knowing the sensitivity towards the salary cap, the right thing to do was where we arrived, where, you know, you're getting your prorated share of, of and, and, and the owners aren't going to make their money back, but that's just the right deal to, to be done right now. Obviously, this became a labor situation and it was not a COVID-19 situation. And I do believe that there, the players do have something to say here as pretty much the only league without a salary cap. Once you start getting into shared revenues, that, is, that becomes a very difficult precedence 
to cap. And and so I, I understood, and I actually think the public understood the tough position the players were being put in because it was not just this year. It was for next year's CBA and the future of everything that they've worked for since free agency. So, you know, the point that we don't get upside when you sell and and now there's downside and you want us to participate, I don't think that's really arguable at all. I think that's the that's the right way to, to, to put it. So one thing on that I heard from – I said I heard that from current players, but then former players were like, hey, guys, this isn't the hill to die on. This is not the CBA. Let's get out there and play some baseball. But – one other thing, yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot there's a lot at stake because I think that uh, if baseball didn't go and they were able to go and they're not stopped by this virus, that would be very detrimental. Uh, and I've said myself that I think it had the it would have the potential to be more detrimental than not finishing the season in ninety four and you know, needing four to five years to come back and needing the home run chase. like this if if you have this opportunity, and this opening, uh, and and you don't take it, um, you know, you might you might not get your chance to try to get back to at least some place where you were, you know, clearly the national pastime. So, do you think the fact that a guy like Pete Alonso, who had one of the greatest rookie seasons in baseball history, earning five hundred fifty-five thousand dollars last year as that rookie, actually making more money the night of the home run derby because he won that million-dollar prize, do you think something like that's going to be addressed, where these guys have the ability to make money inside of their first real money well, inside it, of their it, first listen, six seasons? Yeah, I mean, it's see, it's never been that way throughout all of sports. Uh, the difference, of course, is that, you know, baseball is where it is, where, you know, in terms of the minimum salary of a guy that emerges, I think a lot of people think that there, sh- there should be some sort of incentive base. But then I know that also comes with with the owners saying that there should be some sort of downscaling and the union's not going to like that. I think it's I think it's not it's not one side of the pendulum and then the other side doesn't swing. I mean, I think I think it goes the other way. Well, okay. Well, help help us with these guaranteed contracts that, you know, now, you know, Prince Fielder is going to be like the third highest paid player this year. You know, it's like <laughs> help us there. Hey, you do a lot of things on collectibles, sports collectibles. You got Jordan's rookie card. What is the crown jewel? of Darren Ravel's collectibles? Well, I've touched a lot of good things. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had things and sold them. Um, I had the, I had an Apollo 11 moon landing New York times paper signed by the three guys, the only one existing. And I sold that. Um, and I'm selling next month. I'm selling a 1991 finals bottle of champagne signed by Jordan given to the Lakers oh. ball boy. Oh so wow. I paid about I paid about thirty eight hundred for it and uh although it it is it was nicely tucked away in my closet, I think my twin six year old boys have just gotten too close and I just don't want it's full. It's completely full with the champagne still in it. And so that that'll be that'll hit the market next month. I got another Jordan piece which is amazing. It's a 
that I'm also auctioning off. I, I do get rid of stuff, right? I sold the paper. I sold, I have to, because otherwise I'll be, you know, but I do love touching stuff and do love having stuff. And um, I bought my first Martin Luther King autograph last week. Wow. Uh, what'd it go for? So the, where, where I make my hay is I figure out stories. Um, so I know it's a little bit more significant than it is. Um, so it was signed in 1963 and I figured out it was signed 60 days after his, I have a dream speech. Uh, I bought it for 2,100, but I think, I think it's a $15,000 piece. Oh my you, God. Wow. Tell the story. So I like to go all over the place. You know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always looking, um, you know, I'm always looking for, and I love history, um, sports. I'm just, I'm a little worried with the modern card market when, when, cards are selling for you know ninety thousand dollars that were made two years ago um so it'll it looks like fool's gold to me and there's a lot of people who've gotten in the in, into the industry which has been great but i'm a little scared because i don't want the hobby to absolutely crash 80s bubble so jordan's holding up and the big and the, and the big the big things are holding up right now so that's a good sign what do you th- let me just ask you this how in demand so i covered the Mitchell hearings, the Mitchell report hearings. And yep. I have an original yep. copy that they passed out to all on, the reporters on, 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 on Capitol Hill when, when Mark McGuire didn't, didn't remember the, no, uh, was, what was his line? Uh, I'm not here I, to talk about the past. Correct. That one. All that stuff. What do you, do you think a Mitchell report, like an original that they handed out that day, does that have any value? Mm, probably not unless you could get it signed. I have a, I have a, I have a, a Scott Boris uh, binder that he used to negotiate A Rod's two hundred fifty-two million dollar contract signed by Boris and A Rod. That's cool. <laughs> Darren, I mean, that's I know- cool, right? Like, it's not like it's a geeky cool. It's a geeky that's cool. Thing. Like I got a Mitchell report. You got a Scott Boris thing. It's just a, yeah. You got to get George Mitchell. You got to get you got to get George Mitchell and you got to get uh, uh, Brady Rafael. Anderson and uh, a couple other people. Rafael Palmiro. All right, Spader. I know you're chomping at the bit. Yeah. Sorry. I know we're keeping you a little bit, but you brought it up, so I have to ask. Uh, the you send out all these um, Jordans and they're going for seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars in gem mint condition, and then you bring up the cards that were made just two years ago and i see so many of these signed refractors right and then you got the blue version the green version the orange version the red version and i'm kind of of the school of thought that this cannot this cannot hold up just because one is blue and one is orange it's a classic ryan it's a classic sign of a bubble right like so so the genesis of it is and the why why i never got back in the cards is you know in, in 91 92 after Ken Griffey Jr.'s 89 rookie card, and we thought there was li- Upper Deck Road, it was limited edition. And then we find out these guys are like printing off the, the rookie cards and like going out and using it as currency in Carlsbad, California at Upper Deck. You know, it's, it's, it, it, so then they, then they create, you know, one of ones, one of fives, different colors. And then there's a, another layer of scarcity with the, the grading of the cards, you know? And so, uh, it's it's difficult for me to see how things continue to hold up. You know, one one guy said to me, then this is where I go nuts. 
Uh, I think Mike Trout's valued about right, but I think Mookie Betts is not. So that's why I bought fifty thousand dollars worth of Mookie Betts base cards. What? <laughs> like well, what? Like, like I don't I, I don't get it. And it's true. Like I'm buying one of one memorabilia, and I have to create my own market. But but I'm not worried about that. I just be worried about people having a ton of something. Well, it's kind of like I I told you what was it. Two months ago, when I got out of the military, I bought 10-year-old me a signed McGuire ball that I wanted when I was 10 years old. It was worth what? What was that worth in 98, 99? Uh, about 200, which when you inflation adjust, it's about 350. So I got that thing for 59.99. Right, right. And it's certified, and I think it's got Steiner, MLB, and PSA yep. on there. I don't understand the need for all three of them, but it's got them. Yep. Well, sometimes there's a need. Oh, I have I have another cool one. I got a I got a Warren Buffett signed Berkshire Hathaway prospectus from 2000. <laughs> oh, Spader, you must be sweet. Oh, Spader, this is right in Spader's wheelhouse. Well, I, 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 I mean, and, and the, the the thing is, I was just looking for like a great Buffett signature. It took me a long time, and it's like I better get one quick because if he passes away, and by the way, he's like 89 and eats an egg McMuffin every day and drinks two Cokes and he's fine. But uh, if he passes away, I just can imagine how many hedge fund guys want an awesome Buffett autograph. So I I want want one, but I think (laughs) that value holds. All right. Business of sports betting, sports business reporter, senior executive producer. Senior executive producer, you guys got to be looking for good baseball content. Come on, what are you doing there, Ravel? <laughs> At the Action Network. I'm only half kidding. Uh, Darren Ravel, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time, Darren. Okay. All right, very good. I'll tell you what I enjoyed about that is the collectibles thing again. It's kind of crazy, the Boris A-Rod thing. You think about that for a second. Like, that is so unique. You, who wants Scott Boris's uh, autograph, really? But ultimately, probably not that many out there. Yeah. Um, the, he said it was the original? Yeah, like he got the binder and then he had them both sign it. That's pretty sweet. Uh, sorry, lost, I was sending him a text saying thanks and thanks. Uh, lost my train of thought. But yeah. Um, all the stuff that he has, it's just, it's like he said, it's, it's so unique. And then to find the angle that he finds behind some of this stuff where like the MLK piece, yeah, sure. You know, the signature is worth 2,100 bucks, but then he finds out it's so close to his, I have a dream speech and he thinks it's worth what, six, seven times that. By the way, you know, there's guys out there like buying stuff on Willie Mays and all these other guys. It's pretty dark. Yeah, just waiting for them to pass That's away. how they make money, though. But they're like, right now, they're awesome. just eating up everything Willie Mays or whatever really old guy out there, and they're going to try and clean that up. All right, listen, you and I, let's talk a little baseball here for a minute. Uh, players reporting tomorrow. This drops on Thursday, so it'll be there on Friday. Hopefully, the, uh, most of them will be there. They're going to have guys that test positive. You got Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman, both with the Nationals, neither one's them playing. And Sean Doolittle may not be playing because his wife's high risk, although they're trying to work around that. But um, I've been trying to figure something out. I've asked you this a million times. Let's do it on the air. Pitching. I I told you, the offense, I'm fine with. It's going to be warm weather. Maybe it takes them two weeks to get into the swing. They're going to crush it. 
What are major league teams, what do you think they're going to do with their rotations and the bullpens? Because right now, we don't know what they're going to look like, right? Right. But I think you're going to see three unique things this season that you really wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, you've seen a little bit of it here and there, some of the uh, sort of Brian Kenny school of thought baseball. But the first, I think, you're going to see for the first time it's since, I believe, 1971 Orioles is the four-man rotation. I think you're going to see the four-man rotation out there. These guys go in three, four, five innings and then hand it off to the bullpen. That's going to carry a heavier load because they're going to still get their innings in. And um, I, I just I don't see the need for the fifth starter because that that fifth game is so valuable. You cannot have 12 of your games be where you're punting it. It's it's not a 162 game season, so it's going to be entirely different. And uh, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see one, two or several teams going with a four man rotation this season. What about the bullpens then? Because I still think they're going to be every bit as important. If you got it every every day of the week, you're going to have a game, basically, right? Well, it's it, it, that's actually um, a misconception right now because you're playing 60 out of 66 games. You're playing um, close to 91 percent, whereas during a 162 game season, you're p- playing about 89 and a half percent. But you got to keep in mind that's a 162 game season, so you're basically playing just about the same number of days over an. Ex- much shorter span of time. So I think these bullpens are going to be able to carry a heavier load. And one of the things that I think you're going to see is a team like maybe the Rays using only, and I'm just using this as an example. I don't have any inside info on this, but maybe using only Blake Snell and Charlie Morton as true starters. And then just going with um, openers the rest of the way and the full bullpen the rest of the way. And um, I I wouldn't at all be surprised to see some other teams do that. Uh, I think the Angels might be one of those teams that uses the four-man rotation, tries to take advantage uh, by dropping that fifth spot. But then um, the most unique thing that I think you're going to see uh, from the team like the Braves maybe is stacking of starting pitchers, which we have really never seen before. So you're thinking about Cole Hamels and then Fulton Avich. Exactly. I but you would see, see a that. third one, just two, right? You go three right. innings, three innings. No, 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 no. I'm thinking yeah. you're gonna. I'm thinking you're gonna see something like a, uh, either a five and a four, or a, a four and a four, and then a closer. Um, hmm. I, I'm telling you, I really think we're gonna see some unique stuff out of the um, rotations this season. The bullpens are gonna carry sort of like a playoff load, I think, where. Um, they got to be ready at all times, at any time during the game. I think we're going to see, um, and I, I think we talked about this last time. I can't recall, and I'm sorry if I'm bringing it up again, but I think this is going to be the one year that we're going to see a relief pitcher win the Cy Young Award and actually deserve it. Yeah, you mentioned that. I just think it's fascinating. I think the teams with the most starting pitching depth are going to have an advantage as long as you got one or two guys up top that can really take it. If you got six or seven starters, I think you're going to be pretty good shape. And then as far as the back end of your bullpen, you can't run guys out three days in a row in a short season. It's just not going to happen unless it's the final three games of the year. You're not running a closer out there three straight days. So basically you might need two guys to close this year too. You might have a guy with, let's say you win 40 games, 40 and 20 is pretty damn good. Um, Let's say one guy has, 20 saves and the other one has 12. I could see both two guys with double digit saves on a lot of clubs. 
That's a lot of wins, though. You got to keep in mind, like the most saves we usually see is like right around 45, and that's on like a you know a 90, 100 win team. Don't I, use I, statistics I, to try and prove your point. Just go <laughs> with it, man. Actually, some somebody <laughs> listened to our show the other day and sent me a really interesting article from I can't remember what the hell the guy's name was, but this was from 1991. I was two years old, and um, there was a manager who at the time I believe he was managing in the minors and he had this um, new school of thought at the time. And even today it would be new school where every single pitcher in his rotation, five uh, starters. And I believe it was seven bullpen pitchers. were just going to pitch in three inning increments and that's it at they were three innings and you're out next guy, three innings and you're out next guy. And I thought that was fascinating. And if it, manager was ever going to pull something like that this would be the year to do it see this is why i love this year we we've complained this two sides have been complete assholes to each other but now we got baseball and i don't even know what to expect that's it's so exciting for me this is going to be a very exciting season if you bitch at any point in time during the season just remember that we probably we're not going to have games you know for a little while there was a little stretch there where a lot of people didn't even think we'd play so it's going to be weird, Spader. I know you're going to find something to complain about, but I cannot wait to see how it all unfolds more than anything else. How is this 60-game season going to look? Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm sitting on this tweet for when it first happens, and that's when a game goes into the 10th inning and a guy goes on, sec- <laughs> guy goes on second base for no reason, and he's the first player in history to reach base uh, by way of the commissioner because that's fucking bullshit. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's go. Let's we're done with this. Let's get to minor league baseball. Uh, minor league baseball to me means quite a bit. Uh, I actually came up out of college as a play by play guy. I did. Independently, Iowa Cubs. Well, I did independent league baseball out in Washington State near the ocean where it was uh, Hoquiam by Aberdeen, where Kurt Cobain was from. And that was you know, Wally Backman and Charlie Courtney Kirk Love stuff. killed him. Courtney Love killed him. You think so? Yeah. You can't right. shoot shotgun he didn't even bleed he didn't even bleed it's bullshit another one of your conspiracy theories and then yes the iowa cubs that was amazing i called a couple of games at bowie with the bay Sox, but the iowa cubs you know going to work at that ballpark there in des moines i was the only thing that kept me well that and a gorgeous girl that i was engaged to that ended up breaking she was probably the best looking woman i've ever been with and she was from des moines believe it or not but i blew that anyways my miley baseball I love minor league baseball. Did, did this, the XM Futures game, Serious XM Futures game. We got no minor league baseball this year. And for a, a league that Major League Baseball was already talking about contracting, this is just brutal, man. And this is grassroots baseball. Like millions and millions of people go to minor league games. It just doesn't get talked about as much. Well, I mean, they already are contracting. I think we're, we're already down 45 minor league teams or something like that. And um, I, I kind of hate the fact that you all right there what you all right there did you hear that yeah chewing on ice yeah it was awful what are you pika oh i'm probably not even using my um my kodak gun i'm probably just using the microphone here well uh, it's gonna sound like shit sorry everybody go on minor league baseball well, I hate that you brought up the conspiracy theory thing because I got, I got one here on minor league baseball, and I think you're going to see the continued contraction of minor league baseball until every team has maybe it, – it's sort of like a, um NHL situation where you have the AHL 
in then you have the major league baseball the minor league team that's like the immediate call-ups and then i think there's like the khl or something then you'll have so like double a basically and i think that's going to be about it and from there all these other great players i think that major league baseball is trying to outsource and send these guys to professional leagues over overseas and that's for two reasons. One, because then they don't have to pay these guys. And two, because then you're making this like a global game so that the the two, three, four guys who eventually do get called up to the bigs have this following overseas and Major League Baseball grows the game that way. And I, I realize this is a bit of a conspiracy theory, but it's not based on uh, nothing like my – uh, not based on circumstance, I, I suppose. Yeah, usually, like, you sort sound of like, like my, a, yeah. my Michael you, Jordan theory. <laughs> you sound like an idiot. Usually, when it comes to conspiracy theories, this is actually one that's plausible. It makes sense for both sides, though. You know, they cut down on costs, travel costs. Let somebody else play, pay their minor league players. Well, it sucks for the guys that. right now, though. The the guys who are in the transition, like. It just really think about that. There's a dude out there. There's a Mike Piazza out there. You know, Piazza was drafted something like 1,100th overall. There's a Mike Piazza out there right now who his team disbanded. He essentially got cut. He has nowhere to go. He has no way to grow. And he's going to end up uh, being an instructor for Little League in like some all-star baseball academy batting cages thing. Real quick. No, 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 no. I think that's going too far. Because they're still going to have to have minor league teams here. They're going to have to. I mean, you but, said that because none of the great players are going to want to go overseas to play. Like right. what you're going to do is just have what? The the, the quadruple A players will be here, the triple A, the double A. So basically single A and below, if you, if you have any talent and you want to really showcase it, you go overseas. How does that play out? I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And then, you know, the, like anything else, the – I guess the cream will rise to the, the top, to quote the great macho man Randy Savage, uh, Randy Poffo, <laughs> minor, minor leaguer for the Cardinals. And, um, and, uh, and Who was Kurt Russell? Who did Kurt Russell play for? You know Kurt Russell? Oh, yeah, he did play mi- minor league He was league a ball. minor leaguer, yeah. He was pretty good, too. If I, I, I don't was? know. I think he was pretty good. Didn't Billy Crystal get a hit in the uh, spring training one year? He had, yeah, he, but he's just he's they gave him a underhand he's ball. He's a, a dingus. Um, I mean, I got a big hit. I got a, I hit the ball really hard in uh, batting practice one time. Even I can do that. Yeah, it's not but tough. I I think we're because we're in this transition period. There are players who have the potential to develop themselves into big leaguers who are not developing right now because. They don't have a team to play for. There is no minor league baseball. And because of that, what would otherwise be a potential big league career is going to end up being you're an instructor for, you know, high schoolers or something. It, it, it's it's really a shame that these guys are getting caught in the transition period. I, I always default to um, Matt Clark is somebody who I always think of who was just ahead of his time because he struck out too much, but he could hit the ball 550 feet. He was Joey Gallo before Joey Gallo was Joey Gallo. And because when he was coming up through the system, it was still unacceptable to strike out 220, 230 times a season. He never got a shot. And now he's playing baseball in Mexico, and he's not even doing that this season because Mexico just canceled their season like three, four hours ago. So I did a little research while you went on that rant, and I was listening to it at the same time. Kurt Russell played for the California Angels organization. 
Who did um, who did Macho Man Randy Savage play for? Randy Poffo played for the Cardinals. Randy, well, he changed his name because he didn't want to sound Jewish. Oh, is he? Is he? Well, he's he, dead was. Now. he was. He was. Do you know Charlie Pride also played baseball? Do you know Charlie Pride? He's a really, really old time country western singer. That's all I know. No, I know yeah. Charlie Hustle. You know Charlie Hustle. Yeah, he played minor league baseball too. Good pull there, buddy. Bottom Charlie. line is this: minor league baseball, I think. Below the AAA level is going to be completely different. I think AA will stay a bit the same, but those lower-level minor league teams, be it the short seasons or the low A's, I think these a lot of those teams are going to continue to get blown up. Yeah, hold on. How about this? I just I just looked up um, the Charlie Pride thing. So his him and his brother played in the uh, Negro leagues, mm-hmm. and his brother. Uh, it looks like he was kind of a, a big deal in the Negro Leagues, and he actually just passed away um, September 2018. He just died, huh? Yeah, 83 years old. Played for the um, uh, Memphis Red Sox and the Kansas City Monarchs, which is the team that, um, if I recall correctly, uh, Jackie Robinson played for. Mm. A lot of those guys played football, but there are a few actors and you know, musicians that ended up playing. Uh, George Clooney uh, got a tryout offer from the Reds. He got cut in the first round, though. He wasn't any good. Well, what, what did he turned show into up a to total it? bum. What a bum that guy turned out to be. Yeah, still pulling more. <laughs> He's like sixty, getting twenty-five-year-old tens. Just ten after ten after ten. What a stud. We're done, aren't we? Yeah, hold on. Before we even, I'll tell you right now, George Clooney's not sleeping with any girl from Des Moines. <laughs> Uh, you know, man, there's a couple really good-looking girls from Des Moines. I will say that. There's like four or five of them. I was lucky to land one of them. But I, he might have banged a girl or two from Des Moines. You never know. Working his way up with that mullet that he had. And my hairstylist said mullets are coming back in. If you have a mullet, you're going to look like an idiot, and you're never going to get laid. Yeah. Speaking of getting laid, we should really try to get Mark Grace on here. That's That okay. would be awesome. Grace! I'll work on that. All right. Unless you have a better end than me, but I'll work on it. No, I think you got that one. All right, very good. For uh, Spader and, of course, Darren Ravel, this has been The Walk-Off. Don't forget, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts um, and tell all your friends about us and listen, okay? Say goodbye, Ryan. Goodbye, Ryan.